The Cedric Maxwell Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Guys, I this is probably one of the biggest, you know, gifts I'll have. You know, this is, I, I you know, kind of consider him a friend, but didn't consider him a friend because he played with the Pistons, but he is my boy. Guys, we have Isaiah Thomas, Hall of Famer. Dick, uh, how are you doing right now? How are things going? I'm doing good, man. And, you know, I, you know, I keep it simple, Max. I, I got food in the refrigerator. I got a car that I can drive and I can pay the rent. I can pay my bills. That's all I ever wanted in life. Everything after that is, you know, icing on the cake. So I'm good. Well, I'm, I'm going to start off. I'm going to jump off because the, the thing that was funny with me was every time I mention your name or I talk to somebody, it solicits one way or the other. Like Robert Parrish, one of my best friends going, it's so he's so respectful, but then again, he said, "Man, I hate that little bastard." You know, he, he, and and the, the the hatred is, but he said, "But boy, he could play his ass off." How does that make you feel when guys come at you like that? With you know, like I hate him, but you know, he he could play. It makes me feel good. Is 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 respect, um, particularly from you know whenever, and and this is real talk. Whenever I get respect from uh, a former Celtic. You know, such as yourself, Robert, you know, Kevin, you know, you you guys were all idols and mentors. So, you know, I knew we wasn't supposed to be like, but we were supposed to be respected, you know, and I and I still talk to ML today. You know, so it's you know, the, the respect factor is there. And, you know, I followed y'all, you know, you Lakers Celtic series. So I I saw how y'all competed and it wasn't a matter that you didn't you didn't, you know, like Magic Johnson or or didn't like Kareem, but you respected him and you wanted to compete and play against him. And and that's what we took. That's what I took. That's how I learned how to win in the NBA. So, you know, I, I don't I I ain't friendly enough with him to call him Robert. I still call him Chief and I just remember him beating up Lambeer under the basket. <laughs> so I and, and I asked him about that. I was like, I said, Chief, were you afraid that there was some more pistols coming at you? He said I was thinking about that, and nobody <laughs> came, so they must didn't like it. <laughs> so I, I was like, okay, all right. No, it's not that we didn't like Lambeer. It's that we were afraid of Chief. You played during this era that we talk about physicality, and, and you and I were talking about before when we were talking about Draymond Green, and uh, Draymond was upset with me because I said, Draymond, during the 80s, you come in somebody's huddle, you might walk in, but you won't walk in the hell out. You, they won't carry you out. And you and I were talking about it on a, on a program one day, and he got mad, but I was saying the physicality was real. I, there is a scar that's over one of them eyes of yours right now yeah, yeah. that Carl Malone gave you. Yeah. That wasn't because you were doing anything wrong, but you were just coming towards the basket. I, I got one from Carl Malone on this side. I got one from Bill Cartwright on this side. That's that's just how it was. Uh, when you were when you were a small guy coming into the lane, you know the 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 big guys took that as a as an insult, and and as a and as a small guard playing behind me, you know all I all I heard was this, Matt. <laughs> you know. I heard y'all back there hitting each other, you know, bodies pounding and everything else. And and so the 
I think there was a um, uh, more or less a pr protect your team. Uh, this is our area. You know, walking into somebody else's huddle, coming into you know their locker room and stuff like that. There was a, there was a, you know, there was a, a manliness about it in terms of if you come in here, you're going to have some consequences, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that was. And that was, you know, it was it was an unspoken but spoken rule that these are lines that you don't cross when you're playing against somebody. And I remember when I first got into the league, first couple of times I went through my legs, Ricky Sobers grabbed me and was like, hey, I I don't play that. <laughs> you, could, you couldn't score on somebody and jump all up in their face and dance around. And, you know, there was just a certain there was a certain code of conduct that you just didn't didn't cross. There was a line that you didn't cross. Well, how did that change now? Because we look at guys, for instance, because I, I have to ask you about John Morant. You've always been a great mentor to a bunch of guys in the NBA. And you see what's going on with John Morant, the gun and this and that. Here's the first thing I asked you, though, which is strange to me as a black man. I'm like, they say he was in the strip club. And I'm not saying you've been in one, but I've been in one, whatever. But in order for you to go in the strip club, don't they check you for weapons when you're ready to go in? So I don't even know how the hell he got in. But I just wanted to ask you, how do you, what do you see going on in his life that is just crazy right now? I'm going to speak to it from uh, a, a personal you know, how I grew up and, and, and it's well documented. All my, my, my whole family was, you know, drugs and we grew up mm -hmm. poor and, you know, gang violence and all of that. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you, you grow out of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then growing out of that, you know, what's the next stage? Now you and I were fortunate enough that when we came into the NBA, there were, there were veterans on the team. There were old heads around the team. The things that I always admired about the Celtics, right? Whenever you go to a Celtic game, there are there are damn legends walking around that arena. You know, the the Celtics legends are there. You know, Charlie Scott grabbing me and talking to me, and I'm looking at Charlie Scott like, "Damn, man, you talking to me?" You know, that, you know, it, it, there's always legends around that organization. So consequently, you have a a uh, uh, a history of wisdom and knowledge to pass on. What I see that has happened in Memphis, right, is that when you look at them organizationally, who are the old heads? Mm -hmm. you, know, you got you got a you got a young team, and it's great to have a young team of twenty seven and under that's got a chance to do great things in the NBA. But you got a young team of twenty seven and under. And the average salary is 10 million to 40 million. And if you put 15, I can't think of no industry where you got 15 young guys all making 10 to 15, 20 million dollars, and there's no wisdom or veterans or anything else around. So while while job, you know, clearly has spun out when I when I ask, well. Why did he spin out? I go back to, well, where's the wisdom and the knowledge around that says, hey, you you can't do that, young fella. You know, let's let's go here. 
there doesn't seem to be a, a infrastructure around that team that kept him from spinning out. Mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. now that he's out, can he find his way back in? Of course he will, because guys like us, you know, we're all saying, hey, we love you. Everything's going to be all right. You know, and we've seen our guys have gotten out of control and then got back into the good graces of the NBA and went on to have successful careers. Well, you say that, and that brings me to a name, and I'm going to do some word association here. Dennis Rodman. Tell I us about that. I remember you were telling me before when yeah. you first got Dennis Rodman, you like, Max, you said, this dude right here is a beast. And yeah. He is coming there. And I was like, come on, come on, Isaiah. I can't be this guy. I can't be this. And, and sure enough, everything you said about him was remarkable on the defensive end. Yeah, I, I remember uh, we played y'all in Hartford. Mm -hmm. And and uh, uh, Kent Benson, <laughs> remember Kent Benson? As he got 56 scored on it against Kevin McHale. I do remember hey. that. So wait, we we come out of the huddle, and and Larry and Larry we I think we up one, and Larry look at me and Vincent come to guard him, and he looks at me and he goes, and you know he called me cheesy. He goes cheesy, you and he pointed right at Vincent. You putting him on me? <laughs> <laughs> of course he made the last basket. We lose right. So the next year we playing y'all in Hartford again, and I'm like. Okay, I got something for y'all now. <laughs> and that's when I started talking about Rodman. And the first time I met him, you know, the I had I had never seen an athlete like him. Like we had great athletes, but you know, his athleticism was a little different. You know, his speed was a little different. Mm -hmm. and, you know, you know, the way he rebounded, the way he ran, the way he defended, and you know, just his energy and passion and love for the game. It was just on another level. And I, you know, I I love that guy. As a, as I, you know what? I didn't think it was real, though, when I first saw him. And then I saw watching him over and everything was a repeat of the repeat that he was. It was genuine. If he would die, he'd get people involved. But now I talked to Robert Parrish about this, too. And he said, and because he played with it in Chicago, he said, I've never played with anybody who was more different than they were on the court. And what I mean by that, he said, Dennis Rodman was one of the nicest guys around. But yeah. his persona, he wanted to build a persona that was completely different once he walked out of that locker room. Yeah. And and I think it all started when, um, if you remember, Max, they, they weren't paying guys in the league for rebounding. Right, absolutely. Right? And, and, and Rodman turned rebounding into a show. And and he got paid for rebounding in defense. Yeah. Remember, y'all had a guy, you know, a great Celtic there by the name of Paul Silas, right? Great, great rebound, offensive rebound. There. But guys, like, they weren't getting paid. They weren't getting, like, the, the max contracts. They weren't getting the dollars. Yeah. The scores were getting the dollars. Rodman was, you know, one of the first guys who got paid for rebounding in defense. He would have... 15 rebounds and two points. And back then you weren't getting paid for that. <laughs> yeah, there's no question. And so, you know, in terms of his personality, right, it's like Rodman, and I'm sure Chief will tell you, right, you, you, 
off the court, you couldn't get two words out of him. Wow. You know, he he never he never really spoke. Now he'll create he'll create a party, and then he'll just watch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he he never he never said anything, man. It, it was he, but I, I loved him as a teammate. He was dependable. He knew all his assignments. He was smart as hell in terms of you know defending people. And the way he talked about defending, I never forget we were playing against uh, Golden State, and that's when Otis Smith was playing against Golden State. Yes, uh, uh, with Golden State, and I remember, you know, you going over the scouting report in the locker room, and and Chuck, you know, would always have you read your scouting, you know, report and you know who you were guarding, and so Dennis gives his report on Otis Smith, and he goes, well, you know, he's right hand, left hand, and you know he does this and does that. And so everybody started laughing. What do you mean he's right hand, left hand? You know, he right hand, left hand. He shoot his right hand, he shoot his left hand. <laughs> and so and so Chuck goes, Dennis, is he ambidextrous? And Dennis goes, I don't know if he ambidextrous, but I know he right hand, left hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No wonder you guys had so much fun. I mean, you you got names and I look at you and your your life has been so well documented from being an all-star to going to New York. Your relationship with the New York fans, with uh Dolan, that, that that's a soap opera in itself. That was kind of crazy. Can you just oh, pull the curtain back and tell me a little bit about that? You know, coming coming to New York, um, you know, when I when I first got to New York. And and you can go back and look at some of the articles, right? You know, fans had stopped coming had stopped coming to the games, and you were actually calling some of the games. Fans yeah. stopped coming to the games, and you know, there was you know, can the garden ever get back to to what it was? And you know, the payroll and the salaries and everything was high. So when I came in, I looked at the team, and we were really we were really devoid of talent, right? We had the highest payroll in the league but we didn't necessarily have the talent to support the payroll that we had. So what I wanted to do is try to find a way to get younger talent and infuse it into the team. So it was, it was a high wire juggling act, and we were able to do that. But when you're doing it, you know, under the New York media, you know, there's, there's some issues with it. So, we turned around uh, my first year. We actually made the playoffs. I made the trade. I got Marbury in, uh, got Tim Thomas, Nazi Mohammed in, uh, made a couple of trades, and we lose in the first round to New Jersey. Uh, and then, then we come to actually, I remember us coming to, to Boston. This is when Doc Rivers, remember, Doc was under a lot of pressure. Yes, yes. A lot of pressure. And we ended up uh, beating Boston. In Boston, um, I think we beat y'all by about 20 or 30 that night. And they were in the stands holler, fire Doc, fire mm. Doc. And, and that summer, they were hollering, fire Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, it just changes, right? It, it, just, it, just, it changes just like that. And, you know, but when you look at the talent, you know, I always look back and I say, okay, uh, we all get fired and we all get moved around in this league. But I always look at what I left, right? So in Indiana, 
uh, Rick Carlisle took over for me there. He wins 60 games. I leave him with Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest, Al Harrington, you know, Jeff Foster, you know, Reggie was still there. Players. Players, like real players, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, When I leave Toronto, I leave with, you know, McGrady, Camby, Stoudemire, Doug Christie, and and then Vince Carter, right? So I leave New York. I leave New York. Five guys on that, five guys on the team that I left New York with became NBA champions. Wow. David Lee, Channing Fry, Trevor Ariza, Matt Barnes, and last but not least, Eddie Curry. Wow. Wow. I mean, those those relationships that you built over the years. Isaiah, how do you how do you keep those all in a, a, a box? Because we know your relationship with, with Magic so documented. I mean, that was like the craziest thing. Remember the first time us us black men, we saw each other kind of the smooch on the cheek. We were like, what the hell? Yeah. And then, and then the next thing you know, you guys were elbowing each other and punching each other. It was, and then you came back later on and you see the reverse, you guys got back together smoothed everything out, tears. It was it was so genuine, man. But again, like watching the soap opera. Yeah, it you know, so the so the hug and and the kiss in terms of masculinity, right? You know, we didn't know at that time how powerful that moment was going to be for the public, right? It was kind of like, you know, it's like with y'all family and it's like with black families when 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 brothers and cousins greet each other, right? right? It's a hug, it's an embrace, it's a kiss, it's family, right? Right. We don't greet each other with, hey, how you doing? You yeah, know? what's up? What's up? Yeah. So yeah, it's like it's 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 more than that, unless you unless you in a fight with your brother. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But with with Magic and Mark, we had become so close, it was kind of like, so we were family. We would embrace each other every time we saw each other. But when we did it on the public stage, everybody was like, oh, 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 right? And and we didn't realize, again, how powerful that moment was. But now, fast forward, every NBA game. When I say every NBA game, I say, I mean, every NBA game. Guys come up, they hug each other. Yeah. Brace, you know. You know, it's almost almost X-rated now. Like, dude, let yeah, go of it, am I exactly, right? Exactly. They hold it for a long time, you know. <laughs> and and so breaking down that barrier, we, we didn't know, really didn't know. And and now the NBA finals start, right? And so now our relationship changes during the finals. Now it's come out that Riley told him, hey, you can't be friends with Isaiah. And, you know, he... He had to stick with his Laker group and, you know, and elbow me. And, you know, I jumped up like, hey, man, because that's the first time he had hit me. Now, I saw him hit you and Larry and everybody else. I ain't never. Well, yeah, I, my, boy, my boy ain't going to yeah, hit me. Yeah, man. Damn, like, what the hell, hell man? So I, I, had, I had never felt the championship sting of competitiveness, right? I've watched y'all, right? And as you know, I was at every Lakers Celtic 
championship game. Now, how did, how, wait a minute, how did you get your damn tickets? Every time I looked around, I'm like, how is Isaiah and Mark always in the front row of these damn games? Like they're like they're really fans of the game. I'm like, how did they get there? Man, we were we were taking notes and we were just so enthralled by again, y'all, y'all were the y'all were the pillars, right? And everybody was trying to get to how do we get to championship games? Like y'all had a lock on it. Remember, Mark was in Dallas. He was on the West Coast trying to beat the Lakers. I was on the East Coast trying to beat y'all. So it's like, okay, we we taking notes. Did you see that? Did you see that? Did you? Man, I never forget. Uh, I, who, who was on the foul line? Somebody was on the foul line. A Laker was on the foul line. It's a close game. James Worthy. Yes, yes, yes. Two two times, right? Two times, right? So, yeah, walked across the line and did that. I was like, did you see that? <laughs> I was like, and and so the mind games that y'all was playing, and and now I'm, I'm now I'm at the garden, right? And now it's, you know now you got my memories coming back. So James Worthy on the on the sideline, taking it out next to the Laker bench. He go to make the inbound pass. Oh, Henderson steals it, right? Yeah. Sit up. I mean, these are big, big, big time moments. I mean, huge moments. I'm there with Magic Dribble out the shot clock, you know, waiting for Kareem to come across. And he... <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah. And so you you watching all those failures, but then you see the comeback, right? Um. I'm at that airport Marriott hotel with y'all. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So so Casey, Casey Jones, ML Carr. And I and I gotta get rid a lot of, you know, Red and Jerry West at that time, they were they were so unbelievably welcoming and nice to me. Wow. Because Max, they let me in your locker room, they let me hang out, you know, they let me yeah. I was at the Lakers exit meeting. Right. Wow. I was in the room with at the exit meeting. So I'm I'm at the airport Marriott. I think it's game five. Y'all had lost game four in in Boston. And the Lakers beat y'all pretty good. And Larry came out and you know he called y'all some words in the newspaper. We he can't call the cities. I'll say yeah, we can't say that today. We lose our jobs. <laughs> it's a podcast. I'll go ahead. I'll use that word. That's big. Yeah, he, he called y'all. He called, you can say it, you know. But but that was all in the newspaper, right? And so now we come back, game. Look, now we come back. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Live it, brother. Live the dream. Live the damn dream. So now, game five, I'm right under the basket. It's a it's an ugly game. I mean, just a real ugly game. Ain't no flow to it, ain't no continuity. It's just Beat up, bang up, bang up, right? But last play, one of the last plays of the game, DJ enters it to Bird, and I'm standing there watching, and Herb comes off the double team, and I'm like, no, I've seen this before. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Kicks it right back out to DJ. DJ knocked down the doom, down the jumper from the foul line, 17, 18 feet, boom, game. I'm like, man. Man, man, man. So these are those are things that you think about. Now, you know, 
Celtic fans always remember Isaiah for the pass that yes. Larry Bird stole. Yeah, they want they they relish in that. They they'll play that at the garden and people will still celebrate. That had to be one of the worst moments basketball-wise for you thinking about the play that you made because you guys have made a great play, a great steal. Rick Mahorn there, my my buddy, and yeah. makes a great steal. And, and you're trying to get the ball in so fast and you don't see Larry Bird lurking yeah. in the weeds. Yeah. You know, I I hear that my my wife and I were driving home the other day and we was listening to ESPN radio. Out of the blue. That's one of the promotions. <laughs> so my my wife turned to me and she goes, you know, it's it's been a long time. How you feel about that? And I said, Well, had we not come back and won, I that that would crush me, right? These these at but you know. It was a learning experience. So, you know, that that play, you know, let me tell you how I got over that play. Because okay. that's the most important thing. Yeah, because I, I'm going to talk to Grant Williams about that today. Yeah. Two free throws. And it's like that can, stuff can sometimes harm you if you yeah. don't, if you let it linger. Yeah. And and Max, it was lingering on me. that So we fly back home. <laughs> well, I, okay, we got how much time we got on this podcast? You got plenty of time, man. You do so, you. We'll make this a two part. I love you, dude. So after, so after throwing the ball away, right? You know, we we got a chance to go to NBA Finals or what so. So now we go in the locker room, and you know, the locker room, y'all, y'all had y'all, y'all only had two showers that worked for us, right? Yeah, absolutely. All cold, and the locker room was about this big. <laughs> Now I'm sitting right next to the shower, right? And so everybody, and I don't, I don't want to get in. I don't want to go in because I know I'm getting my ass beat up in there. <laughs> so I'm I'm waiting, you know, I'm trying to be last to be in the shower by myself. So Max, everybody who walks by me, I mean everybody who walks by me, this is what you hear. Damn. <laughs> and they walk into the shower, right? <laughs> I, I don't get no pat on the back. It's gonna be all right. Everybody walk by. They, <laughs> then they go here, right? And then and it's like a single file line, right? And then you know they stand there like Lamb, Lamb was brutal. I mean brutal. So he walks by and he's like, I just can't fucking believe you. And so so now. Now we get on the bus. Now I'm I'm crushed. I'm really crushed. Now we get on the bus. We get on the plane, and John Sally is the first one who taps you on the shoulder to say, "Hey man, it's gonna be all right." And now I'm so pissed. I I'm taking it out on him. <laughs> what you mean, man? What you? <laughs> but how I got over it, Max? I didn't go to I didn't go to practice the next day. Wow. I was so crushed because remember, I I'm the I'm the guy that's never made a mistake. Yeah. I'm the guy that's, you know, made the big shots, hit the free throw, you know, I'm I'm the most trusted guy on the team. I'm the dependable one, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Grade school, high school, college. You can't find nowhere where Isaiah Thomas messed up the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And now this is the biggest moment of my career, everybody. And I fell. I mean, flat, right? And and so I don't know how to handle this. I'm embar I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. Mm -hmm. Like really embarrassed and ashamed. So I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to practice and laying in the bed. And you know, my wife comes in, the phone rings. She said, you know, you know, you got a phone call. I go, no. She goes, no, I, I, I think you should take this call. And I'm like, so, hey, this is Bill Russell, young man. Wow. Wow, right? Wow. Everybody fall off the horse. You need to get up and get back on the horse. It's going to be all right. Damn. Damn, right? DJ walks up to me, taps me. All right. Larry winks at me like, I am always saying the Celtics, the Celtics, the Celtics. Not only did y'all, not only did y'all beat us, but y'all were also great teachers. I remember Larry Bird on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And then in an article, he said, these are his words. Don't ever put a white guy on me. I'm sitting there watching like everybody else. You know, I'm anxious to see because this is the first time that I ever get a chance to peek behind the Chicago Bulls curtain. Now he calls me an asshole and then says, I hate him. This, this you know. Yeah. Hate's a big word. Hate's a big, big word. Big word. Ain't nobody ever said that. Yeah. About me. All of y'all, when y'all were, when y'all were players, y'all elected me to be the president of y'all union. And I've stood firm and tall, and I ain't never tried to backstab nobody. Ask Danny Ainge to tell you how Jalen Brown got got to Boston. <laughs> what? See, that is not a problem. But you got to tell me quickly now, because you got you got to speak right now. How did he get there? Well, I, I, the Cedric Maxwell podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network.